Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. know of an issue with someone, do something about it. Do whatever you can to be reconciled with them. If you do all you can and they still hold out, Jesus sees that. Now, a few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of having a coffee with Wayne, one of our elders. I love having coffee with Wayne. As my wife knows, I always say, I'm having a coffee with Wayne at this time, so I'll be home at this time. About an hour and a half after that time, I get a message from my wife saying, so I guess it's going a bit longer. At which point I go, oops, I suppose it is. It's just great. We talk. And there's this incredible sense of freedom when I talk with Wayne. From the first time I met Wayne, actually to interview Wayne for membership here, And I sat back and said, this doesn't feel right. I said, you've been a Christian longer than I've been alive and you've been a pastor. This interview should be the other way. And Wayne responded by saying, yeah, but look at David. God's put you in this position, so do it. And since then, Wayne's been my biggest encourager. So we were chatting a few weeks ago And uh, we're talking about our lives and our backgrounds. And my background's not the most pleasant. And I was telling Wayne a story about my stepdad. And he cut me off with the words, are you ready for this? And I just sat there and went, ready for what? And he goes, no, 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 are you ready for this? I said, sure, what have you got? He said, have you forgiven your stepdad? I said, of course. And then I went, no. No, I haven't. You see, I've spent the last 20 years, longer in fact, dealing with issues with my dad and working through that and trying to forgive him. That at times that's been so all-consuming I forgot about other people that I needed to forgive. And so here I had this wake-up call that there's issues that I need to deal with, which was the great way that God's speaking to me through preparing for this sermon. So I'm taking steps now to reconcile with my stepdad. And when I do make contact with him, There's a couple of proverbs I'm going to try and remember. 15.18 says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. And 20 verse 3 says, It is to one's honour to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. Now, I've been told I look like a fool. I try not to act like a fool. So while I see Abram as a person I want to be like, I've got to admit that I see Lot as a representation of me um, as who I used to be and occasionally who I still allow myself to be. 
Eight and a half years ago, Christine and I were getting ready to get married. I had a full-time job. Christine was a full-time student. Life seemed okay. And then just before the wedding, I lost my job through redundancy. The company I worked for went broke, and I had never been given the training that was promised. So while I'd worked my way up through the company and had quite a good job, I was unqualified to do my job. So to go and find my way back into that industry meant starting at the bottom. I'd spent three years working my way up and I was devastated by that. So instead, God moved in our lives. God threw us into upheaval so that we would be forced to rely on him. And he used those close to us in our parents to support us financially. And I stepped out and went to uni to become a teacher. And it took nine months for me to even get a casual job because I was over 21. It was far too expensive. Many of you probably have experienced the same thing. When a 15-year-old can work for half of what a 21-year-old can work for, it's a no-brainer. So, for the next year, I studied and Christine studied, but we lived in Baronia and I studied in Ballarat. So, three or four days a week, I was travelling to and from Ballarat. It's three and a half hours each way on the train or two and a half hours in the car. It took its toll. As a newly married couple, it was a real struggle for us. And towards the end of that year, we realised we couldn't keep going. We had choices to make. You'd think we'd have learnt, wouldn't you? (laughs) Through what we'd been through already and God provided for us, you'd think we would have learnt God had it in control. Christine had finished her Bachelor of Arts at Monash and applied for Monash Uni in Frankston to do her dip ed. But she also applied for the Uni of Ballarat because I was already studying there. And I applied for Deakin in Melbourne to transfer. And it was really clear. So, Monash Frankston was Christine's priority, or that her preference. I'd always wanted to study at Deakin in Burwood. I was really disappointed when I didn't get in there at the start. But Monash in Frankston only takes 50 students a year for that course. Well, they did back then. I don't know what they do now. And they got hundreds of applications a year. So based on Christine's marks at uni, she actually wasn't all that confident. And we kind of forgot the important step of praying. So when an early offer came as temptation for the uni of Ballarat, we went, right, well, that must be it. So I didn't finish my application for Deakin. We just picked up and moved. We went and looked for houses and we found a house. We signed the contracts and then three days later, the first round offers came out for uni. Christine got into Monash in Frankston and I got into Deakin. I didn't even finish the application. How's that possible? (laughs) But we'd already committed ourselves to Ballarat. We'd signed a lease. It was done. And it was a moment of wow, we've really got to remember that he's up there. So anyway, we moved to Ballarat 
And sorry, I forgot a step. Before that, in about the third week of my course, I was driving home from Ballarat one day, and there was an ad on Line FM for Cairo Christian Schools Open Day. Now, I'd only ever heard of them through state youth camps. I almost broke my toe in the gym at Druin once. I didn't know there was a Pakenham campus. I didn't know anything about the school, what they stood for. I didn't know anyone that had ever been there or worked there. But when the ad finished, God spoke. And I went, right, I'm going to teach at Cairo. So I walked in the door at home and I said to Christine, I'm going to teach at Cairo. She went, great. Why? Where is it? I went, I think it's in Druin. And I don't know why, but God said it. So who am I to argue? So we end up in Ballarat a year later. And I'm going, well, must have got the wrong message out of that one. There's a Christian school in Ballarat. Maybe it's that one. No. No. God's sense of humour is evident in our lives. And at the end of that year, Christine graduated from uni as a teacher. Over 140 applications, more than 10 job interviews. And on the 28th of January, with school starting on the 31st, she didn't have a job. Talk about questioning where your life's heading. Watching my wife go through that was heartbreaking. So it was the logical thing to start looking for CRT work. Christine rang the agencies and started putting her name out there and an agency in Melbourne asked her to come in for an interview. So Christine dressed up nicely and we drove to Melbourne that afternoon for an interview. And they said, great, we'll call you. And by the time Christine drove from the interview, five minutes around the corner to pick me up from a cafe, they'd called her again to say, there's a six-month contract. The principal wants to meet you tomorrow. So we stayed the night with Christine's parents. And the next day, we drove out to Cranbourne, of all places. And Christine went on a tour of the school and had a chat with the principal. And eventually, they get to a classroom and the principal says this is your classroom, can you start on Monday? And Christine said, well, Monday's my birthday. (laughs) And I've kind of got to move from Ballarat to Melbourne this weekend. Do you mind if I start Tuesday? And the principal said, that's fine. So over the weekend, we packed up and we moved to Melbourne. It's a fun story so far. (laughs) But... In the end, six months later, we found ourselves living in Pakenham and I applied for a placement for my third year placement at uni and I ended up with a placement at Cairo of all places. And as a third year teacher in a four year degree, I still had over a year to go, but in the third week of that placement, God was at work and the head of junior school said, I want you to work here. If there's a job available next year, I want you to apply for it. And God provided. So we took the long way. But eventually we rested in God. We followed his lead. And I ended up teaching at Cairo. And I'm now in my fifth year there. And I can't tell you the blessing it's been in my life. And without that, I wouldn't be here. Because it was needing or wanting to get the job at Cairo. I needed a pastoral reference We'd been through two really messy church situations. 
and we struggled to walk back into a church. But I needed a reference from a pastor to get a job at Cairo, so a friend took me along to Beaconsfield Baptist where I met Luke. And can I just say, we're all here today because of him. There's something about that man. He's got a vision that's undeniable. And he's so passionate about it, it's catchy. And I caught that vision. So here we are. So we now come to the second main point of this passage, that of land. And I do promise you, that's the big part of the sermon done. So Lot knows of God's promise of land. He's gone with Abram because he believes in it. But at this point in time, looking both ways, he chooses to go his own way, not rest in the Lord. And he chooses to head towards the cities and settles near Sodom and Gomorrah. Abram has shown grace and humility in letting Lot choose and also great faith that God will use the situation for his glory. In verses 14 to 17, we read, pardon me, that the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west, all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. As many of you know, I'm studying at the moment. I've just started a Master's of Ministry, and I've been studying the Old Testament, so I've spent a lot of time reading commentaries, and I've found my favourite one. It speaks to me where I'm at. It's called the Layman's Old Testament Bible Commentary. It's written in layman's terms. It's great, because other ones have really long words. Like hermeneutics. What is that? Luke tried to explain it. I didn't get it. So in this, the author explains that this revelation contains three specifics. Number one, God will give the land to Abram and his descendants forever. Number two, Abram's heir will be his own child. And number three, Abram's descendants will be innumerable. These blessings are good news for Abram. Kind of downplays that a little bit, doesn't he? But they're far from the reality he could see. Nevertheless, God tells him to walk the land. This practice of walking through the land is symbolic. This is what armies did back in those days. When they conquered the enemy and they claimed their territory... They did so literally just by marching through it. So, for, like, that's how the news spread. Villagers would see the army coming and go, ah, oh, damn, we lost. So I'll come back to these two points about Abram's heirs, but for the moment, let's look at land. God's got land set aside for Abram and his family for generations to come. This is incredibly relevant to us today as a church. We know that God has set aside land for us. We all drove past it this morning, unless you like rally driving and you came the other way. Our church office is there. We use the shed regularly for youth, young adults, men's ministry and other things. Dave and his family live there as faithful servants caring for the property. It's the land God has for us. But there's one very important lesson for us in the story of Abram. That's patience. Yes, God has provided us with land to build a church on. But no, we are not in a building on that land at the moment. Yes, I wholeheartedly believe that God will provide a building on this land for us in his timing. 
But that's the key. In his timing. Until that time comes, and trust me, we will know beyond any shadow of a doubt when that time comes. We must be patient. Just as Abram. We must remain faithful to God's will and allow him to work through us for his glory with our land and future buildings and not get caught up in trying to put his plan into action by our own means. We have a property committee who are working hard to see God's plans for the site come to fruition and I am immensely grateful for the work they're doing because it means that I don't have to do it and that's a good thing for everyone. And I believe that they are working to see God's will done not trying to do it themselves. But for the rest of us as a church and as individuals in the church, we must remain focused on God and His plan for our community as our mission as a church states. We have to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. God is using us in this area and the ministry of this church needs to be the first priority for all of us. We've already marched through our land and claimed it for God. We've done it repeatedly and we're going to keep doing it. But we can't let our location define us. We have to make sure that our ministry defines us. All of these things come through time in faithfulness, which is the third point today. Faithfulness and patience go hand in hand. I'm currently reading a book, Wisdom in Leadership. Thanks, Luke. And I'm not very far into it, but yesterday I was reading and I came across a chapter called Character is King. In the introduction of this chapter, the author writes, the most important and foundational component of leadership is the character of the person. If leadership skills are the what of leadership, then character is the why and the how behind the what. Character includes qualities like humility, patience and faithfulness. Abram showed all of these characteristics in abundance. Here we see a nomad who is living in a land that's essentially owned by other people. Other people who are not always open to sharing. And God has promised to give Abram this land. And when he's standing in front of it and God says, this will be yours, his response isn't brilliant, let's go. It's, okay, when you say, and he waits on the Lord. I can't claim to have ever been in a situation like that. Certainly not on that scale. When I was younger, all I wanted was a bike, a new bike, my bike. I'd always had my brother's hand-me-downs. All I wanted was my bike, brand new. And one year, finally, about grade five or grade six, on my birthday, mum took me out and we pulled up at a bike shop. I was ecstatic. I went in, I looked at all the bikes, I got to ride some of them in the street outside and I chose the one I wanted. It was a green mountain bike, looked awesome. Had quick fire gears, which were really cool and better than what my friends had. Hey, I was a kid, I was allowed to think like that, right? So I was excited. I was already planning where I was going with this bike. And we walked up to the counter to pay for it. I heard those awesome words. Lay by. <sighs> I don't know how long the lay by took to pay off. I don't remember that bit. 
can say that I remember that I didn't emulate Abram. (laughs) I wasn't patient and I wasn't faithful. I was convinced I was never going to see it again. But it did come in mum's timing, which is second to God's timing, I've learned. (laughs) Although now that I'm married, I think it's third. (laughs) So this is what we need to learn from Abram. In the midst of our trials, small or large, we must wait on the Lord and know that even when we are not faithful, God is. His faithfulness isn't contingent on us and our actions. Because he's not human. He doesn't have sin. That's on us. He's waiting for us to wait on him. While this passage focuses heavily on the land part of the promises God made in Genesis 12, there is a reminder for Abram about his descendants and God assures him that he will have his own child. So Lot's gone. Lot was the assumed heir. But Lot's now gone and God reminds him, no, 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 you will have an heir and he will be your son. And even at Abram's age, He was steadfast in his faith on that point. Just remember, at this stage, he's well into his late 70s and possibly his 80s. So as we go out this week, the takeaway points are this. As Charles Price said at the Belgrave Heights Convention over Easter, never commit yourselves to God's will. Commit yourself to God and trust that he will do his will through you. We need to be patient and faithful and know that God will do his will in his timing. And conflict is not healthy in any situation. As Christians, the Bible is very clear on this. Harmony is what works. We're working through that at school at the moment with our students. Where there's conflict, there isn't harmony. Where God's people work in harmony with each other, great things happen. We've already seen that here at Follow. And it's not going to stop anytime soon. So this week, who are you going to be reconciled with? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work you do in and through this church every day. As we heard from Pete earlier, there are so many ministry opportunities within this church. We just pray that we can remember that we need to work in harmony with each other and that we need to be patient in our faithfulness. Heavenly Father, you are good and you are at work in this place. Go with us this week. Amen.